the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 46. Great commandment. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. The question about David's son. Now, as the Pharisees were gathering, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? David's son, they replied. He said, then how is it that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, called him Lord when he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right side until I turn your enemies into your footstool. If David calls him Lord, how can he be David's son? Nobody was able to answer him. And from that day forward, nobody dared to ask him anything. Yes, prepare yourself. This one's a spicy one. <laughs> Social media. <laughs> right? It is a reality. It is a wonderful tool to use to stay connected. My philosophy has always been it is a great tool for people to stay connected who are in relationship. Right? And it's also another great tool um, for uh, support groups. So many support groups, um, private, that are very specific. I know th those have saved lives. But it doesn't make up for the sitting around a table. And that's why we had these three opportunities this last month over jazz to sit around the table and uh, get to meet and talk with one another. and. We, we had so many new people come and get introduced to our table. There's just nothing like gathering at the table. In Galesburg, there was one specific table that I helped create, and it was, has been so important. Um, we called ourselves the Interfaith Collective. You're like, Galesburg, Illinois, Interfaith? Why? Yes. It turns out uh, in Galesburg, when I arrived there in 2017, the Jewish community was celebrating 150 years in Galesburg, Illinois. Yes, there's this whole history of um, folks uh, not necessarily staying in the big cities because there was opportunity in rural America. And so they helped. They were the merchants. They were the sheet meddler people, right? You know, the, the folks that make everything that ended up kind of being um, at the crux of the farming community. And in fact, Galesburg right now has a mayor that is Jewish. It's the second Jewish mayor of Galesburg. So very much a part of the community. So at our interfaith table, we have, um, she's now the Jewish rabbi, the one that I went to her graduation earlier this season for at, um, uh, here in LA. And then we have Lutherans, we'd have Methodists, um, we'd have um, Baha'i at some times, and then um, we would have um, from uh, the Christian tradition of Mormonism. So they would always be robust conversations, and we'd always learn a lot about each other and about 
our faith. And one we're going to get into with Jesus being a rabbi, uh, being um, questioned and challenged by the teachers, we get to go back into some of that Jewish tradition. And one thing that, um, that my friend, the Jewish rabbi, taught me um, about Jewish law is that there's always a workaround when you're saving someone's life. So you have many different traditions and denominations in Judaism like we do in Christianity. You have Orthodox to Reform, and Orthodox being the most rigid, and depending if we're in Israel, Palestine, in, or if we're um, here in the United States, Orthodox and Hasidic kind of mean the same thing, but mean different things. But, but Orthodox are the ones that live separately and you might notice from the way that they dress. And then you can have conservative that kind of also are strict in that you can't um, use electricity on the Sabbath. You can't use a car on the Sabbath. We have a very strong conservative and Orthodox community in Seattle. And so um, sometimes we Gentiles would have to help them because <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't do something and then they couldn't ask us to do something. So those are laws and traditions at which they live by, but then you get to learn, but if, if, it, if it's to save somebody's life, you can do the workaround. I wouldn't have known that had I not sat at a table with someone who also is of the book. And then she's learned a lot about us Christianities and learned all sorts of things, even the difference between a Lutheran, Episcopalian, a Methodist, and a Baptist, right? So we learn those things by sitting at tables with one another. Well, here we are. Let's arrive back into the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Holy Week. The, rabbi, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees continue to test Jesus, and they are not sitting at any table with him. Amen? They do not want to be in community with him. They want him killed. So what they do is keep coming up with questions to see if they will be chargeable offenses in Jewish law, right? Remember last week when we did my second favorite gospel text, right? Remember what the question was? I know it was a long time ago. Who do you pay taxes to? What was the answer? Pay those one to Caesar's one to Caesar. And the Pharisees were expecting him to say, oh, no, we're not going to pay taxes. We're going we're gonna to do sit-ins. He didn't say that at all. He said, no, follow the law, follow the law. So this week they're like, okay, how much do you know your Jewish law? What is the first commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Oh, why, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and what's the second part of that commandment? and love your neighbor as yourself. Jewish law and now Christian law. The first commandment is to love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. So what does that mean? It means to love. It means to give space where someone needs to give space. It, that golden rule goes right in there. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Other tables where this would get worked out are social justice movements, right? 
where we get challenged. So in seminary, we studied for 34 weeks the civil rights movement. Before that, it was called Religion and Human Transformation. We had to take, that was a required class. You learned from Gandhi about Satyagraha and how King then learned it in all of his teachings. So King, in the ugliness of segregation and post-slavery world, he's trying to teach people who are feeling oppressed, repressed, depressed, that are not given human dignity, that you can have him human dignity and you can love others. So that's the macro, right? To love others. You are going to change a system that is not loving on you. The big piece of his teaching that gets forgotten over the years is it was a nonviolent resistance. It was training people to get beaten up, to get spit on, to have ketchup thrown upon them because all they wanted to do was integrate a soda stand at a drugstore. It was a six-year-old being willing to be escorted by armed guard to be able to go to kindergarten. It's believing this text that I will love the Lord God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength, that I will dare to call a society out that is not loving on me. Does everybody get that? Amen? Right? It's tough. It is tough. We are still asked, being asked to do that today. And it wasn't always successful. Those of us from the Midwest, and those of us, well, and those of you that were alive, uh, the term, remember Cicero? Anyone know that term? So that's the nonviolent movement of King. He, it worked in the Deep South. It worked, but they went to Chicago, and they tried to do, they tried to march, but there were people there who did not have the discipline of nonviolent training. So what happened when folks were marching in the street nonviolently is they were having bricks thrown at them. And they were um, in, in ways that they had to stop the march, they had to retreat, and they had to, they had to go to hospitals. Sometimes it's not perfect. Sometimes the harm is so awful we have to retreat. So when I say love the Lord with all your heart and strength, body and mind, you also have to protect your body and mind. Amen? Uh, no one is asking anybody to risk their lives unnecessarily. And sometimes we have to learn the content and the space that we're in of where to do a march and when we can do a march. Yes? Yes. Yes. This week I learned that in our school board districts, they're trying to um, discriminate against our queer children. Who knew that that still goes on? But it goes on, doesn't it? So, my friends, we are asked again to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We might be called to have to go to a school board meeting to be able to testify to say why all humans are human and for those 
good parents who might think, wait, of course I want to know the status of my child. I want to know the identity of my child. I love my child. It's not for those parents. These laws, and they're not even laws, but these, these policies are not for those parents or we parents. They're for young people who cannot talk to their parents. Does that make sense? So that's another part of this text that I want to get into a little bit. We as social justice people, I think we get the social justice part of love your neighbor. Amen? And I always like to be the one that wants to be the oddball in the room. So with social justice activists, that love your neighbor as yourself is in Leviticus. And there's also a portion that's right before it that says, how are you treating those in your community? Not your neighbor that's down the street. How are you treating the person that's in your community? You should only treat people like they are of God. What? Of God, yes. So not only, and I'll, I'll send it in the keeping up this week, so I'll unpack that for, um, for you a little bit. But it's continuing on in the scripture. That's why we have to like kind of know the context of each scripture. So when Jesus is talking to the Sadducees and the um, Pharisees this many years later, he has the full, complete understanding of this text. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my strength, and all of my body in a healthy way integrating it, and so much so that I love my neighbor as myself. That means, how do I treat um, somebody at coffee hour after church? How do, I, um, how do I treat someone that we know is hurting, who's very stubborn? Well, we're going to call her from a distance, aren't we? Because she'll yell at us if we, you know, no, right? It's knowing, it's knowing when we need to call on Rebecca, right? It's knowing when we need to call on people who aren't in the seats today. It's being kind and loving to those in our very own community. This is a micro and macro lesson. Does everybody get that? Remember how I said a few weeks ago, Robert Redford, at Robert Redford's conference at University of Illinois, Ralph Nader said the reason that the 60s kind of crashed is people didn't take care of themselves and their families. They thought it was, they had to save the world. I got to do this march. I got to do this action. I got to, I got to go uh, speak to this, this, um, this politician. And they forgot, wait, I have a family at home that needs my love. Like I would love God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. I have neighbors in my neighborhood that might need to see me and, have a picnic with me and know and so we can check in with each other I I got to be there for my community of faith it's not how we act outside it's how we act with each other and Jesus knew this when he was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees they never sat down at tables with one another and had a meal together they never learned their history of one another. He, they never asked, hey, Jesus, how, how are mom and dad, Mary and Joe doing? Right? They didn't care. So the difference of this text is we care. 
we not only care that we can march together, that we can um, stand together, that we can hang our flag together, it's what motivates us to hang that flag. Because all of us are loved by God, and we love God, and because we love God, we love our neighbor. So think about how you're treating each other when you're not at a table. Oh yeah, and back to that social media, right? It is a great tool for those that we are already in community with, but it sometimes can be used as a weapon for folks that you're not in community with. So just beware, especially when we're reading things about what's going on in the world. Know what the motivation is behind that person writing. There's been a lot of untruths put out there um, with our story in the Mideast. And I would invite us instead, let's sit around a table and talk. And we should be doing that with our intimate relationships too. Like I say, I communicate with my family in Italy on WhatsApp, but we don't work out our problems on the WhatsApp. We just send greetings. Amen? Amen. So let us use the tools we have to spread God's love, but let us never forget there is nothing like the love of God as expressed in person around a table, a cup of coffee, and a little food. And in some circles, we call that communion. Amen? Amen. Amen.